Hey everyone, welcome to Ubaldi Reports. Now on Saturday, ABC held the eighth Republican debate. And on the stage was Donald Trump, Chris Christie, Jeb Bush, John Kasich, Ben Carson, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio. But the, the night belonged to the flare-up between Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, and Senator Marco Rubio. Senator, governor Christie attacked Marco Rubio, says, nice guy, but he's inexperienced. We can't afford to have another president take office and learn on the job. Marco Rubio responded, well, your state's a fiscal mess. It's been downgraded seven times. And the exchange went back and forth. And pretty much Christie, like, there you go again. Another drive-by with your handlers telling you this is what you should say and not based on reality. So it really wasn't a great night for Senator Rubio. And he didn't really counter that well with some of the, the points that Chris Christie was making. But he probably could have looked deeper into his record and probably found something. But we'll have to see how this holds up. Now, the reason why Chris Christie was attacking Marco Rubio instead of Donald Trump or Ted Cruz, because Marco Rubio represents the establishment wing of the party that Chris Christie, John Kasich and Jeb Bush are trying to get. All of, all of them are thinking that this is going to be probably their last shot. So if they don't come in in a respectable showing, their, their candidacies are done. So that said, right now the polls have Donald Trump number one with uh, Marco Rubio number two. So these governors are trying to go at it and trying to take uh, Marco Rubio down a peg so they can move up. So we'll have to see how his debate performance and how the other candidates did as they go into the primary which is the first in the nation tomorrow in New Hampshire. Now, missing in the debate was questions on Afghanistan. When the new president takes office in January of next year, we're still going to have 9,500 troops in and around Afghanistan. Now, the question becomes, what is their strategy for Afghanistan? This will be the third president. They'll have to deal with combat operations in Afghanistan. And we haven't seen any coherent strategy dealing with Afghanistan or what's the strategy of any of the candidates as it relates to Pakistan, because there tend to be one and the same. The other questions that wasn't addressed was the national debt. The national debt, it's at $19 trillion and growing, will probably be about $20 trillion when the new president takes office. What is their economic policy to reduce the, the burdensome national debt? Now, this one you would think would be a Republican issue is small business. They talk about doing different things, but nobody has mentioned small business. Small businesses accounts for 60% of all jobs in this country with 50 employers or less, and that's by the, um, the Census Bureau and any of the, uh, the Small Business Administration. Now, in 2014, in May of that year, the Brookings Institute, a liberal progressive think tank, came out with a report and said there's more small businesses, more businesses leaving the economy that are coming in. All we have is the old established business, mainly the corporate type businesses. But the small guy, the middle class business owner, they're leaving in droves because it's a very difficult economy. Now, it didn't start with this president, but it really exacerbated under him. So the candidates should have jumped on that, but they never did. They never focused on small business. And what about the stock market? The stock market has seen a precipitous drop and um, since the beginning of the year. And on Friday, the stock market plummeted with the, the job report, even though it dropped to 4.9, the lowest level on un, uh, unemployment. But still, the jobs are not as robust as they like to see it. And even though the president touts his job numbers, but in the labor statistics report, it still shows more Americans are working part time, 
There's millions. There's like, there's like 6 million out of the labor force not being counted. That would have drove the, the unemployment rate higher. The wages went up, which is great, but most of the jobs being created were in retail or service sector or hospitality type jobs, not really those high-wage jobs that will benefit the economy in the long term. So these are the issues that are not being discussed that needed to be discussed. The other thing that I would have liked to have them answered, especially with Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, is how would they deal with the um, the Congress. Now, no matter who becomes president, will not have the luxury that President Obama enjoyed when he became president in 2009, where he had a, a supermajority in the House and a veto-proof, veto-proof majority in the Senate at 60 senators. Currently, the Republicans control the Senate. There's talk that they may or may not lose the Senate. Let's say they keep the Senate. They'll have, let's say, 53 or 54. Let's just say they lose the Senate, just for argument's sakes. Let's say the Republicans take over the White House, but they don't have the Senate and they only have the House. How would they deal with the op- opposition party? That's some of the problems that this president had and some Republicans. They just can't seem to work together. How would Donald Trump or Ted Cruz work with the Democratic, the Democrats in the House and in the Senate, considering Ted Cruz is not liked by even his own party? So how would he, how would he work with the Congress? Now, for Donald Trump as a business owner— you can say you're fired, but you can't fire Congress. How would he work with Congress? No one has asked him that question. Also, I would like to see the media really look at the, I mean, really take an objective look at the records of some of these governors and some of these political leaders and Donald Trump's business dealings. As for Chris Christie, continually touts his record, but his state isn't exactly on a fiscal sound basis, especially the unfunded pension liabilities that a lot of it he inherited, but he exacerbated the problem by not fully funding it in, in subsequent budget, budgets. And there's lawsuits regarding that. So I would like to see the media look in that. I would also like to see the media look into the business dealings of Donald Trump. Now, Jeb Bush challenged him on imminent domain, meaning eminent domain is government can seize property, private property, and give the, the owner fair market value. Now, Donald Trump was sued because an elderly woman wanted to keep her home. Donald Trump wanted it. She, he, she eventually prevailed, but Donald Trump believes in eminent domain. So I would like to know what are some of the businesses that he's dealt with. Now, he says he filed bankruptcies four times in the first debate, he mentioned that. Now, everybody does it. But when you file bankruptcy, especially at a corporation, what about all those small businesses that serviced his corporation? What happened to them? Did they lose their jobs? I mean, excuse me. Did they lose their business? Did they go bankrupt or not able to, to jump, to come back again like Donald Trump has? That needs to be looked at. So I just want the media to challenge these, these candidates on their records but also really challenge them on their policy pronouncement to make sure we get sound economic policy because this country has a lot of problems economically and we have to have them solved. Now, the debate always seems to center around ISIS and the Middle East. Now, again, I'm fair to the Democrats and I'll be fair to the Republicans. Neither candidate really had a a coherent plan. Now, I served 30 years in the Marines with three combat tours to Iraq and Afghanistan. I studied the Middle East. I got my master's in that subject. That was my focus. 
Now, as I listen to the candidates, Donald Trump talks about we're going to bomb them. We should have been bombing them before. We should just take their oil and take all their oil. Well, this goes back to the heart of the message that a lot of Arabs believe that we're only there for their oil. We only want their oil. We don't care about anything else. So Donald Trump never really addresses that. Now, even Robert Gates, the former Secretary of Defense under George Bush and Barack Obama, said to Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, they're pretty much espousing hot air, not his words, but pretty much it's all rhetoric with no substance behind that. It's, no, it's, not, it's not based in reality. Because the one thing that Ted Cruz and Donald Trump haven't discussed, and Ted Cruz is big about carpet bombing because he was asked that, what replaces ISIS? Are we going to bomb Raqqa, the capital of ISIS, with 200,000 people there? Are we going to bomb that? What about these civilian casualties? And as Ted Cruz talks about carpet bombing, that's been outlawed by the Geneva Convention since 1977. So what what is his strategy? What about Assad? What about Turkey? What about the the Gulf states? Now, Saudi Arabia is sending special forces into Iraq, but we also have Hezbollah there, Iranian-backed proxy. We also have the Revolutionary Guard Corps, Iran, backed in um, Syria. We have the, the, the Syrian rebels. We have Kurdish forces. We have Turkey. We have Russian um, military doing bombing runs to protect the Assad regime. Nobody's come up with a coherent strategy. And for Iraq, we talk about the Iraqis need to get involved. Well, what about the Sunni Arab tribes that work so effectively during the surge in Iraq? What happens to them when they see the Shiite-dominated government in, in Baghdad? Now, for the Sunni Arabs, they see Iran on the rise and America retrenching. It's this nuclear agreement that was touted by the president and supported by Secretary Clinton and um, Bernie Sanders, they see that as a good thing. But to the the, the middle of the region, to the countries in the region, they see that as a detriment because now Iran keeps its nuclear infrastructure and they get to um, get a, about 150 billion dollars worth of their assets unfrozen and they can jumpstart their economy. Now they're talking about pushing their oil for the first time onto the market, which is driving down oil prices. Somebody said it's a good thing, but. This is currency that's going to go into their economy. And the Revolutionary Guard Corps is heavily involved in every phase of the Iranian economy. None of these candidates discuss that. The other candidates like Chris Christie, uh, John Kasich, Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, they mention this, but they haven't given detailed how they would deal with this stuff. Because no matter who comes in, they're facing um, a region that is very distrustful of the United States. And one should just look at this. When you get the Arabs and the Israelis on the same side, that should be telling of something's wrong here. But none of the candidates really, especially Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, I mean, blustering is great, but that's not a strategy. And especially for Donald Trump, how would you do things? We don't know how he would do anything. You can't fire anybody. Where are you getting your information? Who's briefing you? He keeps saying, we want to all get the best and the brightest. I got that, but who are you? Who's advising you? Who's advising you right now? You can't just say, I'm going to learn when I get there. It doesn't work. We need to know what is your detailed strategy. And some of these issues just weren't, weren't discussed. The other issue is immigration. I mean, that's been the big issue of the Republicans, and so is the Democrats. Democrats are always against what the Republicans are trying to do. 
and Republicans are always against what the, um, the Democrats are trying to do. But the one thing neither party has addressed is how do we fix our broken immigration system without the partisan rancor that we've been getting? And the one issue that hasn't been discussed is what's bringing people here in the first place. Most of the immigrants are coming from Mexico, but also primarily they're coming from Central America. What are we doing? What is the policy of the United States right now to help the Central American countries and Mexico to get their economy back and up and running? Now, there was an article in Bloomberg where I think one of the um, the billionaire Mexican um, business owners said, if Donald Trump thinks you can build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it, he's, he's, he's blowing something or smoking something. It's just not going to work. How is these things going to be addressed? And these are the issues that haven't been discussed. Now, why should we help Mexico and Central America? Well, I look at it this way. Every immigration wave that came to this country since the birth of this country, starting with the Irish immigration wave, there was always something in that host country. My dad was an immigrant from Italy. He came to America after the war and because his country was devastated. He went back 25 years later, and his country was resurrected because of the United States. You don't see many immigrants coming from Europe. Reason? They have a stable economy. Why do people come from Mexico and Latin America and Central America primarily? Because their countries have instability, political strife, corruption, and all the problems that chase people out. But nobody wants to solve that issue. It's always, oh, we can't do that. What about our people? Well, if we help them, they're helping us, and, we're, and it's actually going to help America out. Trade works both ways, and helping Mexico keep its people there They'll buy our goods, we buy their goods, everybody works well. But neither the candidates have discussed that, and nor do the Democrats, have, for that matter, have discussed that. They just look at, oh, that's great, the Republicans are mean against immigrants, we're nice to immigrants. We can't keep bringing all these immigrants and paying for all these services. It's just, at some point, it's going to get to a breaking point, and we can't look at it through a partisan prism. We have to look at reality on the ground, and how do we fix our broken immigration system? The other issue that was discussed was the VA. Now, the, the moderator asked, none of you on the stand today is a veteran. And he talked about the problems of the VA. And each of the candidates went off and said, I will do this and I'll help veterans. But it seems to, to veterans, even to myself a veteran, it's lip service. Everybody pays attention to veterans' issues when it's the election season. But nobody talks about veterans' issues when it's not the election season holding over them. The one thing I would like to know is why isn't the Department of Justice investigating the, vet, the, the Veterans Administration? None of the candidates asked the, um, came up with this, this, this strategy. Why aren't these administrators held accountable? Isn't it fraud when you fraudulently cook the books to get bonuses? Isn't it something? Isn't it a, um, a crime when veterans likely died because they couldn't get the care and nobody's held accountable? Only one person really was held accountable, and that's not because of what she did at the VA. That all had to do because she took a graft, things that she wasn't supposed to take. That's what got her fired, not that veterans died. What are the Republicans doing? They serve on these committees. What are they doing? I know the Veterans Administration, as Bernie Sanders said, received $17 billion, but that was in 2014. What happened in September of Last year, when the VA inspector generals reported that 300,000 veterans likely died, they couldn't get care. What about that? No one. T why isn't the Department of Justice and why 
investigating that? Why isn't the Congress and these candidates forcing the Department of Justice to answer? Why aren't you investigating that particular issue? So these are things that needed to be addressed. America has some issues to deal with. We have economic problems. We have students saddled with debt. We have individuals graduating in college in debt, can't find the jobs they're looking for. We have those who are in their 40s and early 50s, young, ready to go with experience, have a hard time finding jobs. And I would ask people this. If you lost your job today, could you find the same job with the same benefits? There's a lot of people say no. So why aren't the candidates talking about this? Why aren't the media focusing on this? They seem to be focused on the petty infighting between the candidates, like the flare-up between Marco Rubio and Chris Christie. I could really care less about the infighting between the candidates. I want to know, what are your plans for this? What is your strategy for jump-starting the U.S. economy? How are you going to reduce the huge national debt? And a lot of it has to do with, some people may not agree with this, but this is fact. 70% of that debt is the entitlement system, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. These are some of the things that are driving the debt and the interest on that debt. Now, each of the candidates talk about how they would reform and replace Obamacare. How would you do it? What is your plan for the health care system? And then how would you get that through the Congress? Because you're going to have to work with the Democrats. I said the same thing with Senator Clinton, who's a big fan, uh, or Secretary Clinton, who's a big fan of Obamacare, and she would just expand Obamacare. How? How would she do that? How would she get those things through the Congress? These are some of the things that needed to be asked, not this trivial stuff where we're fighting. He said, she said this. I want to know what you would do to fix this economy and, and make us safe abroad and make us more respected. I don't want to hear... Well, I didn't vote for the war. You did. Well, I got it. 70, 80% of the Democratic Party voted for that war, including Vice President Biden, Secretary of State John Kerry, who also both those two voted against the first Gulf War, but then voted for the war in Iraq. Harry, Senator uh, Harry Reid, the minority leader in the Senate, voted for the war. A lot of Democrats voted for it, and now they want to change their tune. So we don't want to hear how what happened. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do to make us safe? How are you going to fix this economy? So let's challenge our elected officials. Let's challenge the media to start asking these questions and quit giving them softball questions. Let's really challenge them because we're going to get the government that we get because we didn't take part in this electoral process. Now, if you want to hear more of analysis like this or whatever topic you want to do as it relates to this election or anything else, Let me know. Go to Stitcher. Go to iTunes. Sign up. It's free. Let me know what you think of this podcast. Let me know what you think of previous podcasts and keep looking. Now, if you get a chance, I wrote a book. It's it's a best-selling author on Amazon called The New Business Brigade, Why Businesses Should Hire Veterans. That should have been discussed at this this debate. The candidate should have read that book. So if you get a chance, go to any bookstore. You can find it. It's called The New Business Brigade. Let me know what you think of it. It's a bestseller on Amazon. I'm trying to make it a bestseller on the New York Times. Keep coming back to Ubaldi Reports. Go to my website, ubaldireports.com. Keep continue listening to Ubaldi Reports. And let me know what you think. Take care and make sure you vote and challenge your elected officials. And have a good day.